a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. So whether you're back in the dating game or you just like to know how to have more fun, flirting is an essential skill. You know I talk about flirting quite a bit. But flirting is vital in love and dating, and it gives your interactions life, fun, sparkle, but it can be scary, right? If you, you know, accidentally got the idea that flirting is about, you know, long, slow winks and corny lines and twirling the hair and doing googly eyes and all those things that you see in the movie, I understand why this might be horrifying for you. But flirting is supposed to be a playful way to convey interest in another person. And everyone has a different style, by the way, this is what I teach, without getting attached to that outcome. Now, this is really important. And when I teach in all my flirting classes is that the true definition of flirting is to behave as though you are attracted to someone without the serious intention of an outcome. Yet, that is what trips all of us up, right? Because most people get attached to what will happen next, which is the outcome. And so that could be, oh, I don't want to give the wrong signals, or I don't want to flirt with someone I'm not interested in, yada, 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 right? Like there's a list yay long that I have that normally people tell me about. But it is lighthearted. It's intended to be lighthearted. And it does not have to have a high cost of admission. If you flirt with someone and they don't flirt back, You haven't faced a big rejection. You may take it that way, but really it's just about experience. So maybe they didn't pick up your signs or they're not interested or, you know, they're focused on something else, but the reason shouldn't matter. Yet we put the reason as something really huge for us because it is more about how you receive it and take it in, especially if you receive it as rejection. But when you really, really like someone or you've been hurt, you've been rejected, abandoned, and there's lots of fears that play into this or other unpleasant experiences, flirting can feel really exposing and a big deal. And the idea of rejection can just be huge and it can paralyze you where you may shut down, you look away, you you run away and hide because The truth is, it's better in your mind to protect yourself than getting hurt or rejected again. And like, have you ever noticed that the more nervous you get, the worse your flirting game gets, right? This is human nature. We all have that. So not only is it normal, but it's actually the way that the human brain is wired. So I'm getting a little scientific here. Fear and flirting cannot actually happen at the same time. This is why it can get so hard because the fear of rejection directly affects your capacity to flirt. And our brains are these complex machines. And it's interesting to think about this in in this way because there is a science behind your fears. There have been many upgrades throughout human history. If you look at the brain, we started out with more like reptilian brainstem functions. You know, just think of like the lizard brain, which helped us focus mainly on avoiding harm, 
right? And once humans survived long enough, our brains gain more complex functions. Although we have these higher level abilities, our reptilian reflexes are still the most quickly accessed, which serve to help us avoid harm. What does that all mean? Okay, look, if you have a fearful inner lizard, okay, and it needs a lot of soothing, it's going to be really important to tap into the areas of the brain, which learn and change structure based on experience. This is why I'm so big on practice and repetition, because you have to feed your brain with some flirting practice. So it's receptive to the change through repetition. So I don't care how, how much reading you're doing, how much inner work you're doing, you know, you might be listening to these podcasts or reading books until you put yourself into practice and have that experience. That is when things start shifting and changing. I often have my clients go and practice just even like making eye contact with the opposite sex. And then I say, okay, do it every day until you get more comfortable. It's actually a psychological technique. It's called foot in the door effect. When someone agrees to a small request, right? It's just a small thing. That's really important to start with. Like it could be just a direction to take that can leave you feeling more agreeable, positive, and have an open mind to like continue on with it. So in the end, when you flirt properly and with ease, you will look warm, approachable, and attractive. I know I I always sound kind of simplistic when I talk about it, but it is, it's a skill that's so crucial and it's very important when it comes to dating and it is something you can learn, but you have to uncover your deeper fears to override them so that you can become more open to do so. So with me on the line today is a woman who has been grappling with a lot of fears around dating and flirting and due to some things that she experienced in the past. And I hope to help decode some of these wounds and fears so that she can feel more comfortable and flirt like a pro. So welcome, Janice. Are you there? Yes, Kimmy. Hi. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. And I know, you know, you and I had a chance to just have like one conversation before. And I just remember... The things that you've been struggling with, and you definitely have had a journey with flirting, I know in particular, so we're going to definitely talk about that. But maybe to start out, just share a little bit about you, um, you know, your background, your age, and what has been challenging, and then we can kind of talk more about it. The obstacle is the way. Through our desire for something, we come up against conflicts, and that leads us to potential resolutions, right? Mm, I love that. Uh, And that is definitely uh, my journey. But more specifically, uh, I've been a practitioner of oriental medicine for a couple decades now. Um, I'm in my 60s. Wow. Wait, um, I love all your professional background. And, you know, I'm going to circle back to that, but maybe just um, back up even more simpler (laughs) and say just who you are. Um, I know that's what you do in your background, but I'm more interested in just, you know, what your dating journey has been so far and some of the challenges that have crept up. The dating journey underscored the issues that were coming up 
with me doing my own inner work, mm. um, using the tools that I have, because, you know, you want to use the tools you have, not really had good experiences dating. I had a, a lot of trauma to overcome as a child that I'm just really getting through now. But I was briefly married in my 20s. Then, you know, I've had a few relationships, but I've been single ever since then. <laughs> Come to think of it, that's a long time. So I, I decided a few years ago that I was just going to be happy by facing off with those inner obstacles. Uh, last year, I started getting out and actually, you know, going places and thinking about flirting. I wasn't there. I'm a little bit I'm a slow learner that way. I'm, uh, my friends refer to me as a fierce introvert. Um, <laughs> I love that. What was kind of the hard part about flirting and dating? Like what, what was in your head about it? Well, that, that's a good question is it took me a while to figure out. I, I never really had a good relationship. Mm. You know, I might've had a relationship for a couple of years, a couple of times, but it was horror show. So I'm looking at, well, what is my part in that? Obviously, I'm the common denominator. I picked those guys. So then I realized it was some trauma-based obstacles and then fears around that and really fear of making bad decisions, fear of not being able to choose what was good for me. Yes. Oh, it's such a, con thank you for sharing that. It's a common thing, right? Like when you've experienced something that didn't go well or negative in nature, moving forward, it it's scary to put yourself out there knowing that, oh my gosh, what if that happens again? You know? Um, exactly. Yeah. And, and so then you start and questioning it, yourself. Right. And what I was most recently thinking to myself is, if I don't resolve those inner obstacles, I'm just going to attract more of the same. Mm. So it'd be dangerous for me to go out there and flirt. Right. You know, I was curious, and if you don't mind sharing a little bit about some of what was some of the trauma that you experienced or the hurt that you had that you were scared about, like receiving again. Most everything starts in childhood. So there mm. was a lot of psychological games going on. You know, that causes us to adapt in whatever way we can, you know, rely on whatever strengths we have. So I adapted, and the end result, which I just had a revelation about through my work, the end result of my adaptation was self-negation. How can I trust myself if I'm negating myself? I did some work around that, and it was a huge, huge revelation to me. Oh, that's so huge. I mean, it's kind of like what I was talking about in the beginning of the podcast is like, you know, how those fears can really hold you back. And until you have an opening and the corrective experience around it, it'll keep you stuck. And exactly. I, it, yeah, I, I was curious, like, cause you talk a lot about, like, I'm hearing you say trust a lot. Were there things that happened where the trust was broken and were there not a lot of like negative things that were within those psychological games that you experienced? Yeah, there were a lot, of, you know, there were there were boundary violations with, you know, outsiders outside the family that were denied. A lot of things that resulted in me having to learn things the very hard way. Mm. Um, but, you know, I do take responsibility for everything. And I want to... I want to emphasize that no matter what's happened to us, it can be a beautiful gift in really crappy wrapping paper. So did you 
learn that there was a certain way of coping when these things were happening to you? Well, I mean, not consciously. Right. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, the big piece that I was able to recently unravel is my coping amounted to a denial of my feminine self. I've been grappling with autoimmune diseases. I've been, you know, self-sabotage, all, mm-hmm. everything that could fall under that heading of self-negation. That is huge. Yeah. For instance, what? I want to hear about that. On Thanksgiving, I had a colleague over uh, who's very perceptive. He's he's also trained in oriental medicine and a lot of other things. And he just kind of laid it out. He said things about emotional dysregulation and, you know, you're not looking at your issues around uh, women, you know, ghosting your women friends, parental stuff. You know, he just laid it all out. It was a little, it was a little hard to take, but, you know, the sugar coating there was, you know, that we had talked about me finding a relationship before. And, you know, he kind of brought that up and it's like, I had to get through these issues in order to be healed enough to be capable of that. <laughs> I just want to um, kind of pause as you talk about, you know, the denying the feminine self, you know, and, I, you know, just listening to you talk, and again, I don't know you that well, but you you definitely do a lot of the deeper work, you know, like I, I just hear how, you know, kind of aware you are and introspective you are. I guess I wondered how much you're tapped into the outer. And and what I'm talking about is how does this all pertain and show up for you in the way that you dress and the way that your body language is, the way oh. your, your energy is as you're with the male species, as I call them. Like, tell me about that. That's an interesting piece because I'm super feminine. I'm, mm. you know, keep my hair long. I dress very feminine. You know, I'm concerned about my appearance. I'm not letting myself go. I'm not going down without a fight. Let's put it that way. And people always think I'm a lot younger than I am. I've always dated uh, and married men that were younger. My projection into the outer world Mm -hmm. is feminine. And Mm -hmm. I acknowledge the feminine. Yet I deny an inward feminine impulse for myself. Uh, okay, that, that's, that's important. Really, yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is, this work is when you can just get down to the very nitty gritty of things, and then the description um, describes impulses that are paradoxical. How does all this play out for you then when it comes to flirting and and putting yourself out there? The self negation that plays in. Um, not trusting myself, not trusting myself as a woman. So for instance, just to get really like, again, simple, are you online? No. Oh, you're not. I've never been on a a dating site. No. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, what, how are you practicing meeting men right now then? I shouldn't say I'm not online because I, I do a lot on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't do the Facebook dating thing. But I, you know, I communicate with men there. Like I said, I started going out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in Austin, Texas, live capital, live music capital of the world. There's some opportunities that I haven't taken advantage of much in 
living here 25 years. I, a friend of mine got me to start going out with her, and we had hey. a lot of fun. I was learning to two-step, which is, you know, sort of this social dance that everybody, you know, partner dancing, mm-hmm. which the, I think I might have told you about that at one point when we talked, but that was so fun. And um, then when I started doing this intensive inner work about October, I just stopped going out. So, but I was, I was meeting a few men that way, and I prefer do it directly. I, I like, I really value my time, and to me, going online just seemed like added layers and work. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be doing that. I want to be. I'm, you know, working on an art career. I want to be painting. I've got other things to do with my hands. You know, I cook a lot. Yeah, I just don't want to be tied to, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. So. so then that kind of brings us where, where you are now, right? Like, and how yeah. maybe, um, and I know you have the dating story. So tell me about the specific story. And then also, what what are some things that are coming up for you now that you've kind of had some aha moments and, and you want to get back out there? But like, you know, what are the challenges are and then we can talk about because I want to help you. I want this call to be helpful for you. Alrighty, well, good. Um, so most recently, I was facing off. I was realizing, you know, an obstacle from a relationship that I had in my twenties with somebody who was really controlling and abusive, mm. and um, and I was really in denial about that. Like, like, well, I wouldn't let myself get into that situation. I'm smarter than that, right? But it did happen. And um, a, a lot of ways it was subtle, but it was also um, with somebody who was, and this has been my pattern with being with men who are very, um, they could sell ice to an Eskimo, but I can't think of the word. Oh, yes. like charismatic, charismatic, a schmoozer, that charismatic kind of thing. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where everybody looks up to them and, you know, that, that kind of thing. So it's, you know, it's kind of isolating to be at, you know, at the wrong end of that. There's no, who's going to believe you. Right. I got a little bit of validation. Now you said my dating experience, but it was actually a flirtation experience which in mm. itself was, it's pretty huge for me. Oh my God, I love it. So, yeah. So, I, and, and I'd been thinking about this one particular, you know, relationship that I'd had that really, I think, was probably the deepest scar of, of a relationship. The other ones after that, no big deal. But this one really, really got to me. So I'd been thinking about that. I noticed that I had was going through a journal. I had written about it in a dream and that it was actually, he was still controlling me. Mm-hmm. And I had written that in a journal about six months before, and then I forgot about it. And then I came across it just on Friday. So Friday was the day that I needed to, uh, I needed to get out. It was like the last possible day that I could go to these little towns and take care of some art business because I'm doing that professionally. And I've been showing in a couple galleries outside of Austin. And I had meant to go earlier in the week, not put it off till the last day. But anyway, Friday turned out to be a beautiful day. So I'm heading out and, and I like 
doing this. You know, these little towns are just so sweet. And I was a little bit in um, Joni Mitchell mode. And (laughs) Joni Mitchell mode for me is when I was in my early 20s or late teens, she was like my spiritual godmother. And I even met someone who had met her. And he said that, um, you know, when she got off the plane, she was wearing, you know, a long skirt and a velvet beret. I mean, like she just dressed, you know, and she was like the fairy godmother of anybody who wanted to be an artist. Right. And her music is still so relevant. And so I was in this Joni Mitchell mode. I'd been listening to some Joni Mitchell it's kind of taken me back to that time of possibility in my late teens, early 20s when she influenced me. And I decided before I went out the door, I said, I'm going to wear that long red floral skirt and, um, and you know, a pink hoodie. And, you know, I'm just in my best cowboy boots and I'm just going to my Russian hat because it's cold and yeah, I need to keep my head warm. So I just dressed however the heck I wanted to, and but dressed up. And then I went and took care of my business um, in these little towns, picked up my art. And then, but I had made arrangements um, prior to leaving. It's like, well, if I'm going to, you know, make this drive, I'm going to try to have some fun and meet up with a friend. Um for a happy hour. And so I had made arrangements with a friend. And so we met at this little restaurant, which had a little bar in it with a few tables. And there were no tables available. So we sat at the bar and there's only six chairs at the bar. And so she and I were just dishing, you know, I was talking about all the stuff I've been going through and she'd been going through and the big world things. And we were just dishing, you know, like women do when they get together. Mm-hmm. And there was a few people coming and going in the bar. At some point in our conversation and, and having dinner sitting at the bar, a man comes in and, and sits down next next to my friend and me in the only chair at the bar available. And he was waiting for a table, apparently, uh, from what I overheard. But there was no, there were no tables. They were all reserved. So he ended up, um, you know, having you know, some drinks and then he ordered dinner. And the whole time, our my conversation is going on with my friend. And, he, you know, I'm sure he was hearing it. I didn't care. I thought, I, you know, I just, I just talk. I don't really mind who's listening. But at some point, he got involved in the conversation. And it was really good. And it turned out mm. that he was there on business. Um, he has a company that is contracted with this big project that Elon Musk is doing here, which is kind of between these little towns in Austin. And so he had contracted with Elon Musk. And so we got talking about that. And, you know, it got I got really super interesting. And he mentioned, you know, that he was married and he was from Canada. So he was just visiting. And then we got more and more into conversation. And he showed us a picture of his wife. But the picture was really of his cat and just a little bit of his wife. And uh, and then it came out that his wife had just had, had left him. Right. 
Uh, and, and all of it was fine, you know, like we were all just being friendly and we had so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. And at, I think before, no, bef- before we got into the part about his wife leaving him, uh, my friend and I had been talking about was, yeah, I was dating this guy in my 20s. And it was the bad guy that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And he, at one point, I, you know, I had a daughter and he said, well, that's your poverty trap. And mm. all of a sudden, I was aware of all these people in the room, the couple to my right at the bar, the bartender, another like manager woman who had come in, the man to my left at the end of the bar, some people sitting behind us, a couple people. It was an intimate little setting. Everybody said, that's horrible. Oh my God. That's such a movie moment. (laughs) Exactly. It was like it had been scripted. I couldn't have made that up. And all of a sudden I was validated from that relationship and the position he had put me in as less than, you know, as Mm -hmm. being a single mom and being, you know, having a poverty trap. What a horrible thing to say. Mm -hmm. And I realized, and then I said, that was horrible. That was horrible. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I hadn't really flirted with this man, but it was like I opened up a little bit and um, he was finishing dinner and I'd noticed that he'd had, you know, it was very specific about what he had ordered to drink and to eat. And he was really enjoying himself. You know, obviously a man with a good appetite who had been working outside all day, big projects and um, was enjoying his life you know, on the road. So what so, came out of that for you? Like, tell me kind of the bottom line and what you walked away with with that well, experience. Well, what happened was, well, my friend was talking to the bartender. I kind of went behind her back and I I just leaned over. I leaned back and I said, um, you're just living it up down there, aren't you? And he kind of looked like he didn't know what to what to make of me. And I said, cheers. And, um, and he smiled and it's like, you know, we were, we were all in this life together, you know? This is, mm. Yeah. So then a little bit later, um, we were finishing up, the bar was closing. My, my friend left, it was actually past her bedtime. She goes to bed early and, you know, we, it was cold. We're putting on our coats and everything. And I said to him, I said, um, you know, you can find me on Facebook and like, he's not big on Facebook, but. He pulled it, pulled it up, and he's like, "Okay, well, how do you do this?" I said, "Add friends." So we found, we found me, and he said, "He said uh, next time I'm in town, he said I, I'd like to have dinner with you, uh, like very, very pointedly." And um, I said, "Okay, cool. Um, when are you back?" He said, "In about a month." I'm like, "Great." So that's where we left it, and then um, after I had gotten home, uh, a couple hours later, he just sent me a brief Facebook message. I don't think like he's ever done Facebook message or anything like that, but I wanted to leave the door open. Yes. Good. Well played, my dear. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good job. Wow. So what did you reflect on with that whole experience? Well, it was easy. Ah, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) It was easy. (laughs) Right. Like, 
I just want to pause there because that's really, I love that you just said that. I think, you know, often when, when we've had these hurts and traumas and all the stuff that you've been talking about and things swarming in your head, it feels hard until you have an experience like you just had where it's effortless and it's easy. And that's how it should be. That's how dating and flirting should be. And, um, I just think it was such, that's such a beautiful beginning to another chapter in your life to keep going with all this like kind of newfound energy that you just found in that experience. So that's a, I, that's awesome. I, if, if you don't mind, I'd love to just kind of um, dissect a little bit of things that I'm hearing. And then let's talk about also where you're going to go from here, right? Like how can you keep going in this newfound flirty energy that was easy in the end. Is that okay? If we dive in that? Yeah. Okay. Please, let's do. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that I'm noticing as you're talking is that you're very, you're my typical high achiever, well-learned woman. <laughs> like I can hear it. You're, you know, obviously very intelligent and, you know, sometimes, especially high achievers, we get caught up not only in our trauma and our past, but in our heads, right? Like we think about things a lot and I hear, I hear you do a lot of thinking and explaining and I would encourage you to do more doing things that are more felt in your body, things that like that. I loved that picture of you in that red outfit you know, just <laughs> having that, you know, moment where you channeled the inner, what was the woman's name? Oh, Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. You're right. Like you're, you're channeling her like that, the more experiences that you can do in your body and that gets you out of your head is really going to serve you. And I think the, that kind of relates to another thing. And you mentioned like the smiling piece, right? Like the body signals that you send. So while you may enjoy style and like to be put together, there's a certain level of control that I hear you have. And when you've been controlled, right, especially in these other relationships, sometimes like, and I'm just hearing this a little bit, you use your intellect and maybe even just how you put yourself together as a way of controlling things where other things feel out of control. And so it is a letting go and, and trust in the process that you will pick the right people for you, that you can flirt and have fun with everyone without getting attached to what happens next. And it can be super scary and exposing, but at the same time, it is letting your hair down a little bit. And it's not just the clothes that you're wearing, but it's the attitude that you have. And that includes the smiling. It includes relaxing more in your body, you know, that kind of thing. And the third piece is, I just love this visualization stuff for you because you are, you know, even just with some of the dreams you've had and the work that you've done, it seems that when you tap into this kind of visual for yourself, you can embody it more because you can see it and then you can become it. Yes. Right. Yes. So I like if Joni Mitchell is your jam, like sprinkle her with a little like vixen. Uh, maybe there's another celebrity that you see is a little sexier than Joni Mitchell. And like, 
putting that together in a visualization before you go out, before you go to a social event or, you know, whatever it is, I think would be a great thing for you. Awesome. That's good advice. And um, it's funny, there's another piece that ties in when you said about, you know, just being free and Mm. picking whatever you want to wear. When I was first getting into that super bad relationship, I said something to him that really, really made him angry, but he, he, but he hit it, you know, he got back Mm. to me later, (laughs) but uh, what I said was actually before, like maybe when we first started dating, maybe not even dating, maybe we were just friends. I said, so my philosophy is, is the go-go's philosophy. You go to your closet, you put on whatever you want. And if your boyfriend doesn't like it, you leave your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love well, that. I love that. That's hilarious. Yeah, well, it made him so angry. I could see it, but he didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And then in the relationship, he would buy me clothes, the kind of clothes that he wanted, probably wanted me to wear, you know, which oh. are not like what the, this is the eighties, not like what, the go-go's were wearing, you know, not like, yeah, more like hippie. Yeah. You know what this ties into Janice is that, you know, it's really clear to me that this is your time to get a little selfish and do you, you know, you've had Mm. other people in your life who have given you messages where you weren't allowed to be you in some way, shape or form. And it, it, you know, like, so whether that's stifling your voice, stifling, um, maybe the creative part of you that wants to come out in your style or whatever that is, it's doing things for you and not also worrying about what other people think or feel. And that's part of your journey with, with flirting too, because the more you let go of what other people think or feel, and you are more present with everything, that's when all that magic starts happening. Like the example that you just shared in that story. So Janice, I'm so excited for you. The last tool tip that I will say, and I know that um, the online dating thing, there's some fears attached to that. And also you haven't had the energy to do it because you wanted to do other things is that what if you structured it in a way where it wasn't taking up so much time, but that it was used as a practice tool to help you get more comfortable flirting. I think people often go online with this expectation of, oh my God, now I got a date and here's my next boyfriend. And, you know, I see online dating as one big party. You know, you walk into the party, you say, hi, who are you? And what if you use that to actually create more flirty and fun conversations that can then also help you in real life? So I would invite you to think about that, you know, and whether you want to start with Facebook or actually start, you know, going on to a dating app, you know, that that's the kind of thing that I definitely would support you on. So... Janice, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, why don't you maybe just share just kind of some some parting words. How are you feeling right now? Well, I'm feeling inspired. And um, just going back to my original assertion that the obstacle is the way. Mm. So go for what you want. 
Love, love, love it. And often the obstacle is something that is fabricated from ourselves based on maybe those past traumas, just to tie it all together. And, you know, you can overcome those obstacles, right? And the obstacles can actually become something that's beautiful and embracing once you see it in a different way. So, so thanks for joining me today. As always, this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you are ready to start practicing getting your mojo back, you're flirting on, face your fears, learn how to flirt, all the things that we were just talking about. I am excited to announce a co-ed interactive workshop called Flirt Like a Pro coming up February 11th. And yes, just in time for those Super Bowl parties possibly and Valentine's Day. I'm just saying this is a live event where I will teach you the exact process to go from boring to playful and sexy. So if you're stuck in the loop of painful dates, boring conversations, and feeling totally awkward in your body and mind, then you need to join this interactive workshop so you can get the practice and the skills you need to help boost that sexy confidence. But space is limited as always. So make sure you click the link you see in the show notes and save your spot by doing it now. And if you do so, you will also get my free Master the Art of Flirting workbook. I hope to see you there. And remember, it starts with you and working on yourself is working on your love life. That's all for now. 